Welcome to the Instructional Redesign Podcast, stories and conversations about the design of modern learning experiences. I'm Joe Suarez, and with me as always is Kara North. Hey Joe, let's talk video today. Yes, let's. As a matter of fact, let's make a whole series out of videos. This will be part one in which we talk about the need for video, as in, so you need to make a video. We're going to talk about considerations for video and how to handle requests for video, all from the perspective of video as learning solutions. So video production, as I call it, and that we don't need to be intimidated by that word, is a gigantic topic. There's a vast scale of quality and levels of intent with video. So we have everything from a Hollywood production where it takes 10 minutes just to scroll through the credits of people that were involved in the planning and production over the course of months or years, down to just one person who decides to pull out their phone and tap the big red circle to capture a moment in time on video. I think using video to produce instructional content or some form of learning solution will fall somewhere between those two extremes. I love that you put this in a continuum, Joe, of a Hollywood production to somebody just pulling out a phone and taking video. I think this really speaks to what our standard is at our organizations, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that here in just a minute, but knowing when it's good enough, what the good video looks like, it's so important to make that decision on the front end, right, Joe? Absolutely. When we're thinking about video, there's a lot of considerations that go into it. There's your typical considerations that you'd apply to any learning solution, such as who is the audience, what need will the video fulfill, how will success be measured, and things of that nature. And a big one when it comes to video is what's the available budget? Because that number will determine a lot of how the planning and execution happens. A budget, you say? What's a budget, Joe? I'm so used to not dealing with a budget. Tell me more. Yes, and that is the typical response. We have zero dollars for this. And uh, I would, I'm starting to be in the camp of saying, okay, well, if we have zero dollars for that, you're going to get uh, very low quality production. Another big consideration for video is what type of video are you going to produce and in what style? Common types of video include an interview style, which is commonly referred to as a talking head, a scenario, a procedure video, straight up recording and instructor-led training, or some other type of event like that, uh, a vlog, and things of that nature. So that would be the type of video. The style, or you could say the tone, could be something such as, is this a serious video, or is something more humorous in nature? Is it a documentary? Is it a promotional video? Or is it really just purely instructional? It doesn't need to be anything more than kind of a, just a dry step-by-step process a, or a demo through some type of process or something of that nature. Okay, Joe, I have a question about that. Let's say that I am creating my first video for my organization. How can I determine what is the correct type and style for the video? I think it goes back to those general considerations we talked about. So who is the audience and what need will the video fulfill? A lot of times it doesn't necessarily have to have a thought process around it. So if you know you're going to be filming an executive giving a quick 
two to three minute talk directly to the camera, then that's essentially a quick interview style talking head video. Uh, if you know you're going to be recording a procedure, step one through three, then you're, you know. So sometimes uh, the need for video fulfills the type automatically. Other times you have to choose what would be the best format. I think the promotional realm, the marketing realm, uh, gives you the most area of flexibility around what you can do with the video to be creative and try different things. I think that's really solid advice, but... I know that I've worked with different organizations and folks that already have that planned out for you. So as the designer taking on the video project, how, how do you negotiate that? If somebody already has something in their mind, but they want it their way, but you see a different vision. The ideal scenario would be a proper needs analysis led to the decision that the video was the best learning solution. But in reality, like you're saying, oftentimes people just come to you and say, you know what, we need a video here. So the first thing I like to do in those situations is just step on the brakes and back everybody up and just do some basic consulting to figure out how they even got to video. How, you know, Where did this idea for video come from? How did it get in somebody's head? And it might be perfectly valid that they want a video. Other times you can kind of walk them back and um, make them realize that video might not be the best solution because at the end of the day, compared to other content formats, video can be much more expensive and time consuming and difficult to maintain is a big one that uh, is often overlooked. And it's, it can be a challenge to get it right. So if a simpler solution exists, I, I think it should really be considered. Sometimes that could be just a series of still images that show a process and maybe have some descriptive text to them. Uh, other times, somebody might have a five-minute video idea in their head, but really the portion that needs to be video is only, say, 30 seconds to a minute. So instead of a full video that's five minutes long, that could be developed as, say, a five-minute e-learning module with a short video inside it, or even a job aid with a link to a video within it. That actually reminds me of something I just recently made at work. We have a module that I needed to work on, basically explaining a resource that we have out there for Ohio career technical educators called About the Tests. This website doesn't get a lot of love and a lot of people don't know that it exists. And what happens is when the teachers in the state of Ohio are teaching their career technical curriculum, they're not aligning it to what is on these end of course exams. They find out that their students perform badly on these exams and sometimes it can impact their teacher effectiveness rating. My boss came to me and said that I needed to create something to really send out to explain why this is an important resource for them. And what I ended up doing was in the beginning, I made up this fictional character called Mrs. Smith, who was a family consumer sciences teacher in the state of Ohio. And I just had like a one minute video just explaining her story. 
She was asked to teach a class she hadn't taught in five years. She wanted to teach what she wanted to teach instead of going to this resource to go and understand what the curriculum should be. She actually just taught what she wanted to teach and her students didn't do well. By adding that video before information about this website, I think that it really elevated it because the teachers that went through this training saw themselves in Mrs. Smith and like, oh my gosh, I've been asked so many times to teach different courses at the last minute. They haven't taught in a while. They were able to get a good reminder of what they need to do in order to set their students up for success. Now, I could have done that in a big, large video, but just by focusing on her story, I think it set up a good way to introduce the module and set them up for understanding a little bit more on why it matters. So that is a great example of how a small targeted video can add value to a learning solution. And I like how you worked with your boss to kind of find the right solution there. I also think it's important to align realistic expectations around video quality. So the word video in air quotes can mean different things to different people. An expectation can be what can be done in-house and what's reasonable to expect for the quality of something done in-house based on the available equipment around or what there's the budget to purchase and the skill set of the people who will use the equipment. Uh, that's the big thing to think about. Just because you go out and purchase a lot of great gear doesn't necessarily mean you know how to use that great gear. Or even if you do have some experience with cameras, you really need to um, make sure that you spend a little time getting to know equipment before you go out on your, your first uh, production shoot. That's a great point, and I don't remember who exactly said it. I think Jonathan Halls has said it. I think that Matt Pierce has said it. But essentially, you shouldn't be messing with this high-dollar equipment until you can master using your phone. Absolutely. And there's a great saying that the best available camera is the one you have. I definitely am a believer in work your way up to what you're capable of using. How can somebody have that question with their leadership? Like, what, what would you recommend if somebody's looking to scale up their equipment? I would give a couple of suggestions. So the first one would be timing. And it's currently end of fiscal year time at my work. And that means that people tend to kind of uh, scramble to spend the last of their year-end dollars before it goes back into the, the big pool. And that's a great time to say, hey, if we have this extra money laying around, why don't we invest it in uh, some video equipment? Now that ask really needs to be coupled with an expectation that the gear will be used and the gear is required. So to sum all that up, I would say the timing of the ask needs to be right and it needs to be coupled with a proven business need. So going back to more considerations for video, we'll get into more of the actual process of filming in later parts in this series, but I just want to quickly touch on some logistics of video shoots and filming that I think need to be considered up front. Those would include scheduling, who all needs to be on location the day of the, the shooting, and when are they available? So what's a good time for everybody? And the, if there's a specific location in mind, 
uh, the availability of that location also comes into play for scheduling, as well as just what location are we going to be filming in. You want to find some place that's quiet and um, has a good look and feel to it for what you're filming. So if that's a talking head video, you know, a white wall might not be the best backdrop. You want to find something slightly interesting. So if you can find uh, some type of, of windows or something that can let some natural light in and maybe give a nice backdrop, uh, but not to the point where your subject is completely in front of the window because that's bad lighting, which is another consideration when it comes to filming, lighting. There's also the talent. So if you're doing a talking head video, I would consider the person you're interviewing the talent in that case. Other people might not. Um, if you're doing a scenario where you're scripting things out and people are acting out scenarios, that's definitely something that requires talent. And even if that's just people you're pulling around from the office, which is very typical, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, I would still consider them talent. Having a script available to ev that everyone can work from it's a big consideration because the thing with video is unlike say working on an e-learning course that you can adjust and tweak right up to the final moment when you're going to publish it, video needs to be completely thought out and perfected up front because once you film it, you don't get a chance to go back and change the words coming out of people's mouth or at least it's not going to come off uh, very natural if you do. Having a fully fleshed out and approved script by everybody is very important. Finally, in the logistics of filming, I would say equipment. We don't have time today to get into a full uh, in-depth list of video equipment, but you definitely want to be thinking through what do you need and when. And the advice I would give, the general advice I would give to somebody thinking about buying video equipment is don't get overwhelmed by all the various options. Start backwards. Start by thinking about what are the likely requests or uses for video that you're going to have and then work backwards from there. If all you're really looking to do is recording some instructor-led trainings, you might be able to get away with buying like a $200 camcorder, something that is capable of filming for long lengths. If you're going to be recording things on location a lot and uh, there's a lot of moving around and getting tight angles on shots, action shots, so to speak. You might think of one of these more compact cameras like a GoPro. So work backwards when you're thinking about what kind of gear you need. I want to reiterate two of the points that you made that I think are super critical. One is the scheduling piece. And I don't know about you, Joe, but I hate scheduling anything. I just don't like to get into the middle of, well, I can only do it this day and I can only do it here and I can only do it then. Thank goodness for DoodlePole. I've been using that for now more than a year. Anytime I need to schedule any kind of workshop or anything like that, and it, it's been a game changer because before that, we had forms that people filled out. They were all sent to me, and then I had to go through and make this matrix of who was available when. So that, to me, is an extremely difficult issue. But using things like a DoodlePole or some kind of collaborative tool that people can mark their availability, it really does help. The other point I wanted to talk about was your point about the scripting. I know that scripting is super important because when 
people say that they're good at ad-libbing, you'll find that those people are not good at ad-libbing. And those are the people that constantly mess up. Those are the people that lose their train of thought. And a lot of times those are your people that will veer off the script. So getting them involved in the script process, trying to make it conversational, if it's conversational, is super important. And I can think of something uh, right off the top of my head if anybody watches Project Runway, which has been one of my favorite TV shows for a very long time, they are the worst. So sorry, Project Runway fans, if you're listening, but I think you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. They will actually cut audio out during their editing process and then add it in in the back end. So for example, as they're getting ready to go through a challenge, you can tell when someone's audio got cut and then they'll just do a pan to like a judge or somebody sitting there and then you can hear the audio over it, but it's always at a different volume or it's at a different cadence. It just doesn't have that natural speech. So you can definitely tell they went in in the back end and added the audio to add into the video and if you can tell that by watching a television show that has the money and the production crew to do it right, you're certainly going to be able to tell it in your e-learning video as well. Kara, are you implying that reality TV is not so much the reality that it pretends to be? Yeah, I am. But you know what? I still love watching it. I can't help myself. It's my, my trash and my escape every evening. All right. I won't hold that against you. But you bring up a good point. By watching TV or video and watching and thinking through how things were put together, both from a editing standpoint, a filming standpoint, audio editing, all the stuff that goes into making the final product that you see. So you can end up learning a lot by just watching TV for those kinds of things. So the last consideration we'll talk about today is how will your video be delivered or hosted? Oftentimes people assume just by making a video, people will end up watching it. But that's not how it works, especially when you're thinking about promotional material. So think about how the video is going to be delivered or hosted. Is this something that's gonna go in a presentation that's gonna be a one-time event, so to speak? Is this something that's gonna be embedded inside an e-learning course? Is this something that's gonna be hosted on a site like YouTube or maybe something similar, more of like an internal, video sharing platform. If it's going online, you really need to consider the bandwidth of your end users. So if it's internal, you have a better sense of knowing what those locations are and you might know which remote areas are gonna be your problem locations. So the bandwidth of your end users is definitely something to think about. And like I just mentioned, how will people find the video? What's gonna drive them there? So like we said at the top of the show, video is a gigantic topic that we can cover and go on and on about. But that's basically the high-level stuff we wanted to focus on today. Kara, anything you'd add today? I think the biggest thing I would add is if you're scared of video and you really want to get better at it, you can read, you can watch. But the biggest way you learn, just like with anything, is you just need to go out and do it. Just play around. Even if you just start by taking a video of your cat <laughs> and just editing that and seeing what happens with that. You can really learn a lot by just trying it out first, but don't be afraid to build up your own acumen before making promises at your organization, because then once you know your strengths and weaknesses in it, it can also help inform the way that the video production will go. Absolutely. And I know I'm throwing out a lot of big terms and words that make it sound 
more like it's on the Hollywood production scale of things than the just taking out your cell phone and filming extreme. But, you know, just a quick story. Uh, when I first started as an e-learning developer, I was asked to record some video for some scenarios. So we actually went out to uh, a retail environment before the store opened and acted out some scenarios. And I naively thought that my role was just to be the cameraman, just to operate the camera. And I learned the hard way that I was actually the director and I wasn't adequately prepared, nor did I fulfill my duties as director. And I think the video, the whole shoot suffered as a result. So not to scare people away, but it really is a process that you learn by doing. And like you said, the best way to learn is just to start. And that doesn't matter how small that needs to be. So hopefully you've gotten something out of today's episode. We hope you come back for the rest of the series and learn more about video. Joe, can we say that video killed the e-learning developer? Oh, I don't want to go that far. Can we say slightly injured? Yeah, there we go. Video slightly injured the e-learning developer. Perfect. Talk to you later, Joe. And if you like this episode, please share it on social media. And if you have any other topics you'd like to hear us talk about, we'd love to hear your input. Connect with us on social media at Redesign Podcast. Until next time. All right, we'll see you guys next time. No, we won't. They're not viewers.